Welcome back to Midday Magazine. I'm Shelby Herbert reporting for KFSK. Parts of the Kenai River are still frozen over, but the Alaska Department of Fish and Game has already closed the early and late king salmon runs to sport fishing. Also shutting down the beleaguered Cook Inlet east side set net fishery before fishermen can gear up. Ken Coleman is vice president of the Kenai Peninsula Fishermen's Association, which represents set netters. He says he's never seen the fishery close completely this early. This is my 53rd year coming up as a set netter, and I have never experienced this. Fishing Game releases a preseason forecast for the early run every winter to give guides and fishermen a sense of what to expect before the summer starts. This year, the department projects fewer than 3,000 kings in the early run and around 13.5 thousand in the late run, falling below the goal range set by the Board of Fish of 15 to 30,000 fish. In a pair of emergency orders released last week, the department said it that meant it would close all sport fishing for king salmon in the river. Changes have been hard on guides who long relied on taking clients on king salmon trips. As counts have continued to decline and closures have become more common, they've pivoted to fishing for sockeye, halibut, and trout. But for set netters, whose fishery also closes when the king sport fishery does, there's no plan B. Coleman said Friday his phone had been ringing all day since the orders had come out. But they've been asking, is there any way to uh, make a, uh, a change? Is there anything mechanical that we can do as uh, set netters, such as uh, fishing less or fishing shallower nets? Legal action and out-of-cycle proposals for the Board of Fish both failed last year. Coleman says the best they can hope for is, in the middle of summer, the department makes another assessment and gets to a point where it's able to reconsider opening the fishery, at least partially. But he says that would require a miracle. Petersburg Stedman Elementary School students gathered on stage in the final week of February to compete in the annual spelling bee. Cade Norheim, fourth grade, won the bee, and fifth grader Rebel McGrath took second place. I have more on the students who participated in the time-honored Petersburg School District condition. Tradition. Twelve kids from grades three, four, and five stood in the spotlight of the Petersburg Middle and High School Auditorium. Sue Paulson is the master of ceremonies. She's also the president of the Friends of the Petersburg Libraries and a retired librarian for the local high school. This was her opening speech, which she gives at the B every year. Ladies and gentlemen, I see the spellers are ready, and I see the audience is ready. Welcome to the annual spelling bee. A spelling bee has been popular in our country since the days of Abraham Lincoln in the log schoolhouse. It's one way that we practice how to spell correctly, because that means when people read our writing, they understand what we're trying to say. So here is the procedure of the spelling bee. Sue conducts the competition in a series of rounds. The kids who spell their word correctly get to remain on stage.
you won't hear applause after every correctly spelled word. Falson instructed the audience to remain completely silent until the end of each round. That's so the spellers won't get distracted. The word is rice. Can you use that in the sentence, please? Dina's favorite meal is chicken with rice. R I C E. That's correct. At the end of each round, elementary school librarian Jill Leonard leads the kids who misspelled their word off stage and gives them a snack. The audience applauds them as they exit. The word is traditional. Traditional. T-R-A-D-T-I-O-N-A-L. Sorry, that's incorrect. Next speller. By the 15th round, fourth grader Cade Norheim was the last kid standing. His final word, constant. Constant. C-O-N-S-T-A-N-T. Neither finalist said they spent much time memorizing the words. Fifth grader Rebel McGrath won second place. She says she used her intuition. How are you feeling right now, Rebel? I'm happy. I didn't even study the words for our class spelling bee, so it's kind of lucky that I like even got on the stage. Really? Yeah. So it's just like I, mean, I was super pumped about that, and I was like, you know what? If I can just like wing it and go against kids that were studying for weeks, I could probably go on stage. What's your secret? How do you remember all those words? I'm not really sure. I think it's just like engraves itself in your head when you like really are like committed to something. I guess. Did you have fun? I did. Definitely had fun. So you have to remind yourself, like this isn't supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be fun. It's not like a do lose you die kind of situation it's just like a fun challenge first place winner Cade Norheim chalks his success up to his love of literature his advice to other kids who want to become spelling bee champs is to read challenging books they should read a bunch of big books that don't have pictures because uh, in those books you can probably find bigger words that's a WRAP rap on the district spelling bee, won by fourth grader Cade Norheim. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Failures at the water treatment plant in Prince of Wales Island's largest community have left some residents with dirty and discolored water and others with none at all. Officials in Craig issued a boil water notice Sunday evening and are asking residents to conserve water as much as possible. Craig City Administrator says crews are working to fix the problem, but as Reagan, Reagan Miller reports from Ketchikan, it's unclear when the water will be safe to drink again. Late Sunday afternoon, Craig residents started to notice problems with their tap water. Jacqueline Vaughn got home around 4.30 and did a double take when she opened her tap. And wow, it was coming out the color of uh, bright, bright yellow, dark, bright yellow. So I actually couldn't believe it. June Durgan's water is a dark brown, and she says she's afraid to even boil it. I've lived here my whole life and just turned 66 today and have never seen anything like this. Brian Templin is Craig City Administrator. He says the pressure started to drop Sunday night. We had lost water pressure in most areas of town. Some areas don't have any water, and other areas just have reduced pressure. Uh, some areas have uh, muddy or dirty water that uh, somehow mud has gotten into the system uh, because of low water levels. 
in the in the system. Correct Public Works crews were able to get one of the plant's four treatment systems running at full capacity that night. By Monday morning, two others were working at partial capacity, and a fourth is expected to come back online late Monday or early Tuesday. But the plant won't be working normally until two of those systems get new filters, and Templin doesn't know when that will happen. Templin says there have been minor issues with the water treatment system over the past few weeks. He says crews had been working toward addressing the issues when the outage happened. Uh, the short of it is is that um, the filter media in our treatment trains has been in need of replacement. But in order to do that, of course, we have to shut down uh, water treatment. And so the Public Works Department has been working on getting ready to do that. But those clogged media, uh, the clogged filter media in the treatment trains has reduced our the, the capacity of treating water. Templin said around midday Monday that because of low pressure throughout the system, some areas are worse off than others. Points in the system that are farther out have less water, and the points in the system that are higher in elevation have less, wa- less water. But beyond that, it's kind of spread all over Craig. Templin says crews will be looking for leaks in the system once water is working again. But some residents say they feel like the city has left them in the dark. Vaughn, the resident with the yellow water, says the city owed it to residents to warn them, especially since there had been issues at the plant in the previous weeks. We're not getting any answers from the city people. And I think it's a full-on crisis, to tell you the truth. Durgan, whose bathtub is full of murky brown water, expressed a similar feeling. And I think they kind of knew they weren't going to be able to fix it from the get-go, but yeah. Anyway, I'm not really a happy camper with our city right now. Templin says crews are working nonstop to get the systems working again, and that before the outage, there wasn't information to give out. We were dealing with some issues with the system, but we weren't at a point that uh, there was any information really to give out to the public. The failure yesterday was, came as a surprise. Templin says that residents should report any leaks they see around town, including in their own homes. Until the boil water notice is lifted, residents are advised to boil all water used for drinking, cooking, or teeth brushing for at least two minutes. The notice will remain in effect until the State Department of Environmental Conservation determines that the water is safe to drink. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. A former Sitka doctor accused of multiple counts of sexual assault four years ago is now behind bars. On the first day of what was expected to be a lengthy trial, 79-year-old Richard McGrath made a surprise plea deal and will spend the next two years in prison. Please note that some graphic detail in this story may be inappropriate for some listeners. Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka. Dr. Richard McGrath has nearly come to trial twice. His first court date in 2020 was postponed because of the COVID pandemic. His second, last July, was declared a mistrial when the court failed to impanel a full jury. But McGrath's four-year journey to justice ended the morning of Monday, March 6, just a few minutes before jury selection was to begin for a third attempt at a trial. Judge Michael McConaughey put the question to McGrath. So to the charge of uh, sexual assault in the third degree, as I read to you, what is your plea? Two of McGrath's three victims were in the courtroom for the hearing, and they visibly reacted to his admission of guilt. Over the weekend, two of them had consented to a hastily crafted deal that, if the judge agreed, would see McGrath sentenced to 17 years in prison, with 15 suspended, and permanently lose his medical license. A third victim did not think that was sufficient. 
A relative, Jessica Hames, spoke on the victim's behalf. Mr. McGrath was hired into a position of trust and power as a doctor by the city of Sitka. He abused that power and violated the sacred trust between doctor and patient. I do not care how old and feeble Dr. McGrath is or pretending to be at this moment, he is a dangerous, sick predator who caused irreparable damage to these women. I would like to ask every man in this courtroom, including you, Your Honor, how you would like this to be handled if it were you who have been violated. Bailey Wolfstead with the state's Office of Special Prosecutions explained some of her rationale for the deal. She had received medical records which indicated that the 79-year-old defendant was in a state of mental decline that would create issues of competency in the event his case went to appeal. She said that the protracted delay had been exceptionally hard on the victims, and while there was never any certainty of winning a conviction in front of a jury, she had little doubt that she could prove some of the charges. I'm imagining we're having at least one woman on a jury, and based on those experiences and how doctors regularly perform more exams, um, and if they're, for example, going to perform a breast exam, they're going to tell you they're doing it, um, and it's certainly not going to involve things like squeezing someone's nipple um, or taking your breast out of your bra and shirt without telling you what's going on what's happening. Regardless of the outcome of a possible jury trial on criminal charges, McGrath still faces a civil lawsuit brought by the victims in a trial scheduled for this July. Wolstead said that the plea deal would bring finality to this aspect of a complicated case and perhaps, most importantly, put McGrath behind bars. Dr. McGrath's going to jail this morning. As the court knows, there's a statutory requirement. He pleads guilty to a sex crime. He is going to jail today. McGrath attorney John Cashin did not offer any counter-argument in the proceedings, telling Judge McConaughey that he intended to argue mitigating factors at his client's sentencing hearing on June 12th. In the meantime, I'll certainly be asking the court to honor the plea agreement, he said. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Thank you for joining me for Midday Magazine.